Today we're going to be reading from Revelation chapters 4 and 5. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne, there were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had the face of a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power for ever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. 
thousands of people in Nui and Lake Mac willingly choose to follow Jesus. Are they deluded or just brainwashed or do they just need some crutch to lean on to get them through life? Or is there more evidence for Christianity than we often think there is? Maybe it's time to reconsider Christianity. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it, all right? <laughs> it's, that, was a, that was a nice one, okay. I'm out here, uh-oh, Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. So there is the big news of the week. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. What did you make of it? Were you outraged, like lots of people were, at the physical violence? Could you understand Will Smith's anger at seeing his wife humiliated in front of about a billion people? Debate has raged, hasn't it? Really, really strong emotions. People saying that Will Smith should be charged with assault, put in jail, or even worse, take his Oscar away from him. But you know, alongside all of the outrage, there's also been a kind of stream of people going, look, really, who cares? Does it really matter what two self-obsessed celebrities do in the narcissistic orgy that is Hollywood? One person on Facebook said, this is just a tiny blip in a grand scheme of things. It's here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, what's one slap? It's meaningless in the big picture, isn't it? And yet, couldn't you actually say exactly that about almost anything? See, the other big news story around the world for the last month or so has been the Ukraine war. And it is an undoubted tragedy, don't get me wrong. But in the grand scheme of history, isn't this just another in an endless stream of wars? In fact, not even history. Did you know that Ukraine is just one of about 40 wars being fought around the world at this moment? There are wars all through Africa and Asia, some of them decades long. I mean, nations have been invading nations for millennia and they will for as long as humanity exists. So in the big scheme of things, in the end, does any of it really matter? I mean, sure, it matters to the people involved. It matters if it's your life. But look, that's just the point, isn't it? We now live in a world where really the only thing that matters is what matters to me. See, we're at the end point of a journey that we've been on for three, four hundred years now. Three hundred years or so ago, philosophers began to teach there is no God. We haven't been put here by a God for his purposes. No, we're just here. In fact, we're, we're part of a, a giant explosion that began 14 billion years ago and is still exploding outwards. And if that is right, then there can be no ultimate meaning to anything, can there? I mean, how can there be meaning if we're all just part of some giant explosion. There, there isn't meaning in explosions. There isn't purpose. 
There isn't good or evil in an explosion. There isn't value in an explosion. There just is. That's one of the things we have to realize about atheism. Once you get rid of a God who put us here for his reasons, well, that means we're just here. And whatever happens just happens. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no meaning behind it. There's no value or even right or wrong. It just is. It's a philosophy that's called nihilism or accidentalism. Everything is just a giant, meaningless accident. And you know, it's funny, we're pretty happy to accept this idea when it comes to the animal world, aren't we? So we watch documentaries and we see a lion eating an antelope and we say, well, I guess that's just the way things are. But for some reason, we find it really hard to accept it in our lives. So we see Russia invading Ukraine and we don't say, well, look, I guess that's just the way things are. Nations invade nations. No, we say, no, that's wrong. That's unjust. That is not how things are meant to be. Or we see Will Smith slapping Chris Rock and we say, no, no, violence is wrong. We're not meant to do things like that. You see, we've gotten rid of God, but for some reason, We just can't bear the idea of a world without meaning and purpose and right and wrong and the way things are meant to be. We can't bear the idea of a world without love and and compassion. And so what we do is we create those things. We say, yeah, look, maybe there is no ultimate truth, but this is what our society values. These are our society's right and wrongs. As a society, we don't believe in violence. As a society, we don't believe in invading other nations. And we do it at a personal level too, don't we? Here are my personal values. Here is my personal meaning and purpose for life. And here's what's true to me and I'm going to be true to myself. And we know none of it's real. I mean, how can you have meaning and purpose in a great cosmic accident, but they're real enough for me. They're real enough for our society. And yet, can you see the drawback of that? Can you see its fatal flaw? What happens when my values and my meaning and my truth clash with yours? What happens when Chris Rock's value for self-expression clashes with Will Smith's value for protecting his wife? They're both just being true to their values. Who are we to say that Will Smith was wrong? He was just living out his values. He was following his code. And sure, we can say that our, our society doesn't condone violence, but that's just something we made up. Who are we to enforce our made-up value on him when he's just living out his code. In fact, who are we to say that Russia's wrong? See, for for Russia, and for centuries, Russia has had a picture of itself as the strong man, the ruler of its region. Their identity is bound up in the glory and expansion of the Russian empire. And we don't agree with them, but aren't they just being true to their national identity? Aren't we just enforcing our values on them. See, this is 
the problem of a world with no God. You can have values. You can make up meaning and purpose. You can have your right and wrong, but that's just it. They will only ever be your values and your right and wrong and your meaning and they're all just made up. So why should I care? Why should I bow to your values? And what right do you have to impose your made up meaning and truth and right and wrong on me? And look in the end, at a deeper level, don't we want our lives to have more meaning than just a made up one? I mean, don't you want your life to really be worth something? To really mean something? Don't you want to actually really be valuable? This is something that our world has no answer to at all because it's removed God. I can't answer it really. But God does have an answer. There is such a thing to real meaning in life. Your life does have a purpose that's more than just a made up one and you have a real value. And we're going to see those things today as we actually step outside of our world and look into heaven itself. We just had the book of Revelation read to us and in Revelation, John has a vision of heaven. He sees reality from the viewpoint of heaven. So just have a look in verse two. He says, at once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat on it had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled this throne. You see, John gets called up to heaven in a vision and he sees God on his throne. And God's majestic, isn't he? he? He has the appearance of jasper and carnelian, brilliant red gemstones. And around his throne is this emerald rainbow, immense and rich and green, and it stretches around the throne and it's radiant. And verse five, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. God is in heaven sitting on a lightning storm. It's a majestic picture of God, isn't it? If you want to look it up later, it all really comes from Ezekiel chapter 1. But what we discover is that all of heaven is focused on God, this God on the throne. So look in verse 4. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. So as you look around God's majestic throne, you see that God's throne is surrounded by 24 elders. And it's a little difficult to know who they are but clearly they're powerful. So they're sitting on thrones themselves and they have crowns of gold and they wear white, which in the book of Revelation is generally associated with victory and power. That is, they're victorious figures. But notice, they're not sitting in thrones in their own halls. No, they encircle God's 
throne. They attend God for His glory. As we move in closer to the throne, we see the lampstand and the sea of glass, but closest of all are these extraordinary living creatures. Have a look in verse six. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had the face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. See, surrounding God's throne are these four fantastical beasts. They're they're covered with eyes and wings and so they can see everything and they can go anywhere. But they're actually creatures. So they're like a lion, an ox and a man and an eagle, which when you think about it, are all the strongest of their particular part of the creation. And yet, These strong, glorious, majestic creatures don't receive glory. They focus on God and give Him glory. Because you see, between them, the elders on their thrones and the creatures around God's throne, they all sing the great song of heaven. Have a look at verse 8. Day and night... They never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. So the creatures sing their song first and they praise God for who he is. God, you are holy, they sing, but not just holy. No, God's three times holy. He's holy, holy, holy. He's the holiest of the holies. And so what does holy mean? Well, holy means different. Holy means unique. These creatures are singing that God is unique. And in the next two statements, they tell us how he's unique. Firstly, he is the Lord God Almighty. They're singing, God, you are unique in how powerful you are. You alone are supreme and powerful. We think we're in control. We think we're running our lives but God is in control. Right from the creation of the universe, right down to the very numbers of the hairs on your head, nothing ever happens outside the will of God. The whole universe is under His control. He's almighty and He's eternal. He is the God who was and is and is to come, say the creatures. And again, you think human beings, we're we're fleeting, aren't we? We're here one minute and gone the next, maybe 80 years if we're lucky but God's eternal. Before the universe was created, He was here. Throughout history, He was here. And long after we're gone, He'll still be here. That's what these creatures are saying, that God is the unique, almighty, all-powerful, eternal one. That's who He is. But if the creatures sing about 
who God is, the elders sing about what God's done. So look in verse 11. They say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. See, the creatures worship God for who he is. The elders worship God for what he's done. They say, God, you created everything by your will. You are the one who creates. And that means you are the one who owns. Since you created everything, God, you own everything. You're worthy of all glory and all honour and all power. And this is the song that rings out in heaven. And it rings out eternally. Because you see, when the elders bow down and sing their song, well, in verse nine, it's whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks. And when do the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks? Well, in verse eight, it's day and night. They never stop. And so every minute of every day and every minute of every night, the creatures are crying out their song of praise, holy, holy, holy. And every minute of every day and every night, the elders are falling down from their thrones before God and they're crying out their song, you are worthy, God. God is eternally in the spotlight of heaven. The whole of heaven is perpetually drowned in praise to God for who He is and for what He's done. He's almighty and He's eternal and He created everything and all glory and honour belongs to Him. And right there, you see ultimate meaning and purpose. See, here is something that's true regardless of who you are, regardless of where you live, regardless of when you were born. You have a God. He created you and He owns you and He rules you and He values you. And in fact, your life does have purpose. God created you to know Him and to love Him and God created you to enjoy Him and to worship Him and to give Him glory, honour and power which means that your life is worth something. You are worth something. You're worth something to God. You were created by Him. Of course, the war in Ukraine matters. It matters because the people who are dying there were created by God for Himself. They're loved by God. Their lives matter. And there is such a thing as ultimate truth and ultimate right and wrong. Of course it matters that Chris Rock humiliated Jada Pinkett Smith. She's God's creation. And it matters that Will Smith hit him because God is Chris Rock's judge, not Will Smith. You see, without God, we can never actually untangle the right and the wrong because Chris Rock is right in his own mind and Will Smith is right in his mind and Russia is right in their mind. And who am I to tell anyone that anyone is wrong if it's all just a meaningless accident? But no, God is the ruler of Will Smith and Chris Rock and all of Russia and me. He created us all. And so it's his truth that counts. It's his right and it's his wrong. And he deserves all glory and honour and power. And one day we will all stand before him for his judgment and verdict. You see, without God, 
nothing has any ultimate meaning or purpose. We're awash in a sea of opinions. With God, all of a sudden we have real truth, real meaning, a real purpose to everything. It's God. And yet that's not all that John sees. In chapter 5, John notices a minor detail that has escaped his attention. But now he's drawn to it. As he gazes upon God on his throne, he notices a scroll in God's hand. And verse 1, he notices that this scroll has writing on both sides. That is, it contains the words of God. It contains the mind of God. And yet this scroll is sealed up. It's sealed with seven seals, seven locks. It's completely impregnable. And as if to draw our attention to that, in look in verse 2, an angel cries out in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Who is worthy to look into the mind of God? And the answer in verse 3 is tragic. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And that's a tragedy because God's word created the world. God's word is our lifeblood, but no one can look into this scroll. And so in verse four, John stands at the door of heaven and he weeps and he weeps. But at that moment, one of the elders looks up from the ground and look what he says in verse five. He says, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And, and, and you can imagine if the book of Revelation was ever put to music, now the music would be exultant because here is someone who is worthy to look into the mind of God and he's a great warrior king. You see, the elder sees the Lion of Judah and the Root of David. And both of those images come from the Old Testament and they're both about royalty. The Lion of Judah comes from Genesis 49. When Jacob, the, the great father of Israel is dying, he calls each of his sons to him and he blesses them one by one and he calls Judah a fierce lion. And he promises Judah a victorious descendant, a lion who will rule the nations, a lion king. That's who the lion of Judah is. And the root of David, that's from a different part of the Old Testament. That's from Isaiah chapter 11. At one of the lowest points in Israel's history, God promised a king who'd come through the line of David or Jesse with his spirit. And this king would be wise and understanding and he'd rule justly. He would be a spirit-filled king. And this is who this elder sees in heaven. He sees the lion of Judah and the root of David. And the elder says, he can look into the scroll. He's worthy to do it because verse five, he has triumphed. And so you can imagine, John is on the edge of his seat now. 
John's craning his neck to see who is this Lion of Judah? Who is this Root of David? And look in verse six, he looks and he sees a mighty warrior with a flashing sword and a crown on his head, a figure of nobility and wonder and majesty. Now, actually, look what John does see in verse six. He says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. A lamb. John sees a lamb. And it's not even alive, it's a dead lamb, it's a slain lamb. How can this be the Lion of Judah, the majestic Lion King? How can this be the Root of David? It's a dead farm animal. A lamb is not a lion. A lamb is prey for the lion. And so when John turns and sees this slain lamb, his jaw must have dropped. And yet as you look closely, at this lamb, you begin to see that there's more than meets the eye. There are actually signs of power. Firstly, if you look where the lamb is standing in verse six, he's standing at the center of God's throne. Amid the lightning and the thunder, within the living creatures, at the very place where God was majestically seated, that's where this lamb is standing. And he has seven horns and seven eyes. Powerful animals have horns, don't they? Bulls, rhinos, rams. That is, this lamb may look as if it has been slain, but really he's a power lamb. This is no dead farm animal. This really is the Lion of Judah and the Root of David. He stands where God sits. And in verse 7, he takes the scroll from the hand of God. This lamb strides up to God and he rightfully takes what he alone is worthy to have. He looks into the very mind of God. And when he does that, the most amazing thing happens. Something happens that changes the universe forever and changes our lives forever. It gives meaning and purpose and direction and value to every single human life. Do you know what happens? The song in heaven stops. That song that the creatures and the elders sang, the song that never ends, It ends. In fact, look in verse 8. And when he'd taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which is the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scrolls and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they'll reign on the earth. You see, the eternal song that's rung out from the very first moment of creation stops 
And now they sing a new song to the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb, they sing, just as God was worthy. Back in chapter four, verse 11, now the Lamb is worthy. And what makes him so worthy to be sung to? Well, because he was slain. This lamb is worthy to look into the mind of God because he was slain. And he's worthy to be sung about because he was slain. Because look what he did when he was slain in verse 9. They sing, you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. That lamb was slain so that he, with his blood, could purchase people for God. His blood paid the price of forgiveness. That's why he's a lamb. Because in the Old Testament, the sacrifice that paid for sins, the sacrifice that purchased forgiveness was a lamb. To pay for sins and purchase forgiveness, you sacrificed a lamb. And when this lamb was slain, when Jesus hung up on that cross, he paid for all of the rebellion of people from every tribe and language and every people and nation. You see, here is something that's true of every single person on the planet, regardless of who you were, regardless of where you were born, you are in desperate need of a saviour. I'm in desperate need of a saviour. Because remember in chapter four, we saw that God is worthy of all glory and honour and power because he created everything, including me. But the fact is I haven't given God glory, honour and power. I've barely given God the time of day. I haven't worshipped him. I've ignored him. I've worshipped myself and said that life is the meaning that I give it. Life has the purpose that I give it and I'm going to follow my rules. And you know, that puts me literally in danger of hell. It makes me the enemy, the rebel of that majestic God who sits on the throne. And you know, every single person on the planet shares this danger, whatever your culture whatever your values, it's true of all of us. But what makes Jesus worthy to be sung to is that whatever your culture, whatever your values, Jesus died for you. Jesus died in your place and Jesus took your punishment to purchase you for God that you might be one of his forgiven people and not just for white middle-class Australians from Christian backgrounds. No, it's true for Hindus and it's true for Muslims and it's true for Buddhists and it's true for Chinese and Japanese and Koreans and Venezuelan, every tribe and language, people and nation. And here is the single most important thing that you can ever do. Here is the meaning of life. Here is the great point of it all. You need to put your trust in Jesus. You need to come to this lamb and place your trust in him. 
that he has purchased you for God. See, this isn't just something that's kind of nice for Christians. You know that thing where we say, oh, look, I'm really glad that you've got Jesus in your life, but it's just not for me. I mean, I'm glad it's true for you, but I've got my own thing. No, no, no. God is the God of us all. He's the God at the centre of heaven and we've all rejected him and we all need to come to Jesus. And in eternity, that is the only thing that matters. Do you trust the lamb that was slain? That question will determine your eternal destiny. And it's the same for every single person on the planet. Can you see why we're so desperately keen for you to know about Jesus? Because everything's at stake. If you don't know Jesus as your saviour, if you haven't trusted that he was slain to purchase your forgiveness with God, we are so keen to keep telling you about him. We'd love for you to keep coming back to this series. Keep coming up, keep coming back in the lead up to Easter. We'd love for you to come along to the life series. Because if revelation is true, if what John saw is real, getting to know this Jesus really is the most important thing in life. And in fact, not just getting to know him. Christians know that worshipping Jesus really is the meaning and purpose of life. See, look at the great climax of Revelation chapter 5. Look where it leaves us in verse 11, the last triumphant song of heaven. John says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and in a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Right there is the meaning of life distilled to its essence. Millions of angels in heaven, 10,000 times 10,000, all rush the throne of God and they sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and glory and honour and praise. And then it's not just the angels, every single creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them sing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and glory and power forever and ever. And that's the meaning of life. That's the purpose for every single creature in heaven and earth and on the earth and under and in the sea. It's to glorify God and Jesus. If you're a Christian, for eternity, starting right now, this is your song. You get to sing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. That's your song and that's your purpose. 
That's your goal in life. That's what you were put here to do. And that's your passion. You get to give Jesus praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Because God is the one who created you and Jesus is the one who saved you. And together they sit on that throne in heaven. And this is how you measure a life. You measure a life by asking the question, was my life devoted to giving God and Jesus praise and glory and honour and power forever and ever? It's how you measure our parenting. Did I teach my kids to give Jesus praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever? It's how we measure what we do with our time and what we do with our money and what we do with our opportunities. It's what we look for in a job. It's what we look for in retirement. It's what we want for Chris Rock. It's what we want for Will Smith. It's what we want for Russia. It's what we want for Ukraine. That all of them will give God and Jesus praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. You see, the world has no real answers to meaning and purpose. Just the lonely horror of pretending that you're worth something. But when we look into heaven, we see a grander picture, a more beautiful picture. A God who created it all. A God who saves us all a God who is at the very centre of it all and a God and a saviour who we get to enjoy and praise forever. That's worth living for, isn't it? Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Our great God, you are holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. And so you are worthy to receive all glory and honour and power. And our Lord Jesus, the Lamb who was slain, you are worthy of praise and glory and honour. For you were slain to purchase our forgiveness with God. And you have been raised and you sit on the throne of heaven. We thank you that this is true and it's real and it tells us what's important. We pray that we might live to honour you, our God, and we're sorry that we haven't. We're sorry that we've replaced you with our own meaning and our own purpose and our own values and desires instead of loving and honouring you. But we thank you so much that Jesus died in our place. We thank you that he paid the price for our forgiveness. We pray for our, brother, for our friends who don't know Jesus, who haven't yet placed their trust in him. Please, we pray that they might come before him like the angels and like the people in heaven and bow and say, I trust you and I worship you. You are my King and my God. 
And we pray for those of us who do know Jesus. We pray that we might live the rest of our lives to give praise and honour and glory and power to Jesus forever and ever. We pray that we would give him our energy, our time, our will, our passion, our money, our work, our retirement, our children, everything we've got. We pray that we would spend them for Jesus' praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Amen.